Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading this morning of Holy Scripture comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, and verses 21 to 22, uh, which you can find in your Pew Bible or in the insert in your bulletin if you would like to follow along. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven opened and a void, and a Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but in whatever spare time I have these days, I don't mind picking up a good fiction book as I've gotten now into the habit or watching a good movie or television show that that has a really compelling story. But if you've watched or read enough stories in whatever form, you begin to pick up on the different storytelling devices that writers use throughout time as well. These are not new devices. One such is that of the idea of death and rebirth as a classic plot to telling a tale. Now you can find this storytelling device in things that are old and new, but I'm going to dip back into the Christmas well just one more time and say that the most classic example of this idea of death and rebirth outside of what we find in scripture might be Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. We know who Scrooge is, Ebenezer Scrooge in The Christmas Carol. He starts off 
his story as being this sort of miser, this person who likes to just hoard his wealth, someone who's not a very generous or caring person. But after his visit from the spirits, especially in the fourth stave where he encounters that really fearful, dreadful-looking specter, we see Dickens have Ebenezer Scrooge stand above his own grave, begging with the final spirit, saying, Assure me that I may yet change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. Well, soon after, we know he gets out of bed as a new man. He changes. His life-altering moment had occurred, and his brush with death led to a moment of rebirth. The imagery of death and resurrection, of death and rebirth, is a tale that is as old as time, And it's something that the early Christians especially clung to as they administered the rite of baptism, the sacrament of baptism, where they believed that going down into the water, they were entering a death of their own and coming out on the other side of the river washed anew in a new life from God. As we hear these stories of death, and rebirth, as we hear these stories of transformation, as we hear what is happening in our own reading from John's gospel, we ask ourselves if whether or not today we allow ourselves to come face to face with moments of such transformation sparked by a divine moment in our daily lives. Do we allow ourselves to be transformed in those moments? Because funny enough, you, me, Ebenezer, we're in the same boat. We require a moment of transformation. Luckily, though, our journey or our experience with transformation doesn't require a visit from specters that haunt us and show us all these horrible things. I might never, I already have, you know, I sometimes have enough trouble going to sleep. I don't need to go to sleep thinking ghosts are going to visit me. (laughs) But even if we don't have that experience, such as Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, God does require a moment of transformation. God requires us to possess hearts that are open to change, open to something divine that will radically alter what lies at our spiritual center. These moments are necessary if we are to live fully into our baptismal covenant. And these words that we so often use during the sacrament of baptism where we say, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life.
our moments of transformation is found in the sacraments of baptism. Our task is to live into the newness of life that we find there. It's how we live into that newness is what we need to really consider for ourselves in this time and in this place. We should note, though, that not all transformation is positive. It's possible that this cycle of death and rebirth doesn't lend itself to a very good outcome, especially if our hearts end up not being rooted in the life-giving love of God. I think a perfect example of this can be found in another tale of death and rebirth, one that comes from F. Scott Fitzgerald's uh, The Great Gatsby. Might have seen the movie version. Where Gatsby undergoes a transformation, a transition from someone who's penniless, someone who's no one, to someone who's this mysterious debonair with a wealthy and rich persona. He becomes someone else in order to impress a love that never existed, to try and go back and live in a moment in time that was nothing but a distant memory. Transformation in this instance was detrimental. It wasn't something that was founded outside of himself, but instead founded on his own selfish desire, instead of a greater force that existed outside himself. For us, again, we know what that force is. We know who it is we have been called to follow, who is making change in the world, who gives us the power to make that change as well. Do we believe, though, that that kind of positive change can come, that kind of powerful transformation can come, do we believe that God has given us the power to make a change within ourselves and within the world around us? I think this message of transformation is often lost in our contemporary conversations around faith. Instead of diving deep or instead of having conversations about what faith looks like in our lives, how God has made a change in our lives, we go through the motion. We go through the motions of baptizing babies as much as I love baptizing babies and sprinkling water on their heads. We can get into the habit of going through the motions. And that's where our discussion of faith might stop or appear to end. And this happens in churches and communities of faith, both big and small. This is where we've struggled as Christians to cultivate what it means for God to continue at that moment to make an ongoing impression that calls us to life anew. Our current habit runs contrary to the message of the John the Baptist who preached that baptism was not the end of our spiritual journey, but just the beginning it was the starting point for our walk with the Spirit of God and with one another. 
talking about baptism, when was the last time you thought about your own baptism? When was the last time you talked about your baptism? Granted, you might not remember much if you were baptized as an infant. So then when was the last time you talked to someone about the changes you've seen God make in your life? Our baptism, friends, is a living moment that's calling us to continually live a life of faith that's proactive, one that exists not within the confines of four walls of a church or a sanctuary, but one that takes us outside into the world. Living out our faith in this manner will mean that we'll ask questions. We may feel like we won't have all the answers, but not having all the answers is okay. It's not an indication that we're somehow less faithful, but instead it's a sign of our own anticipation of something that is unknown coming into our midst to lead us to somewhere we have yet to discover. Part of that, and part of what it looks like, is allowing the story, the moment of our baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit in that moment to transform us, to lead us to a place where our heart, our minds, our bodies begin to embody the exact word that God spoke to Jesus at his own baptism, that, friends, you are my beloved, God says. You are my beloved, and with you, I am well pleased. In remembering these words, claiming them for ourselves, we might embrace and begin the process of authentically engaging with what it is God has begun in us at the moment of our own baptism. In the beginning, I asked if we've ever allowed ourselves to come face to face with moments of divine transformation in our daily lives. And I asked that because baptism is a visible, if not a visceral sign that calls us to this renewed life in God. And this need for renewal, of transformation, is one, I think, that many people are yearning for, are longing for. Our current climate indicates that we aren't the only ones looking for something that goes beyond ourselves. The culture that surrounds this community of faith is looking for something more as well. And as we can also look around us, we know that some people are finding that spark of transformation in the wrong place, which doesn't take them to lead lives that embody the life that God has envisioned for us, but instead has called them to be transformed to embody modes of hate, of fear. We have a story to tell. We have a transformational experience to share, one that people are looking for.
in these sacred waters, we find the tangible evidence that God calls us to new life. A new life where we might profess a joy like Ebenezer, who at the end of his own story exclaims, the shadow of the things that would have been, have been dispelled. They will be. I know they will. Our baptism and what God has done in that moment where Christ was baptized, where we were baptized, dispels the ultimate shadow of death to reveal the life of God that dwells inside every one of us. As John and as we today baptize with water, we have all been blessed by the baptism Christ gives that comes from the Holy Spirit, that urges us to cast off the chaff that our hearts have been harboring so that the Spirit of God can create a way for something new to happen. So let us go. Understand the story of transformation. Tell our own story of how in our baptism God changed us. I leave us, friends, with a part of a baptismal prayer and invite us to bow our heads in a moment of prayer. In this prayer, we say we rejoice that you claimed us in our baptism and that by your grace, O God, we are born anew. By your Holy Spirit, renew us that we may be empowered to do your will and continue in the risen life of Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all glory, be all honor, now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.